0: we are going to be in a number of different places here in the Word. We started last week, two weeks ago, looking at the qualities of maturity, that there are certain qualities, and we're not covering all the qualities of maturities, we're looking at seven. Seven qualities of maturity. If you can focus on these seven and get these seven things working in your life, you will change your life. You will change the maturity that you walk in the things of God. Things that moved you before will not be able to move you. We will show you through these things how the Word of God will make you steadfast, immovable before God. One of the reasons we're putting the prayer request off into the end is I want to take something from it and show it to you here and what we're what we're looking at that will help help us. Last week we looked at patient. Before that we looked at steadfastness. But last week we were looking at patient and there was just so much on it we decided to split it up into two. So last week we were looking at the Greek word hupomeno which means to stay under. To stay under. Many Christians love to be in the things of God until the heat gets turned up. Until problems begin to come. Until tribulations come. Then they want to move. Let's go where there's not so much so not so much trouble. But you can't move. This is your spot. This is where God told you to be. Stay there. And so we got to learn One of the things we've got to learn besides steadfastness steadfastness, is patience. How to remain under something. Don't keep moving around. Oh, it's getting a little hot over here. I'm going to move over to this spot. But the Word of God said, Jesus even promised us that we would have blessings, that things would come to us with what? What did he say they would come with? Persecutions. Because the devil knows when you get good things in your life, he's going to come take them. So if you're getting good stuff in your life, he's going to try and come get it. Take it. He don't care if he gets it. He just doesn't want you to have it. And he's going to move on in. If you got joy, he's going to try and rob you of that joy. If you got peace, he's going to try and take your peace away. He doesn't care if he doesn't get the peace. He just doesn't want you to have it. Don't just think money and stuff. That's not the only blessings of God. There's other things beside that. Those things are good. It's nice to have some money. It's nice to have some stuff. That's okay. But God's giving you things far more valuable. So we look at this, this word we saw in Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation. You have no idea how patient you are until you are in tribulation. You can say, I'm patient and have nothing going on. How do you know if you're patient? You can have people say, oh, the cold doesn't bother me as they're in a 70 degree room. Well, how do you know that the cold doesn't bother you? You're in a 70 degree room. Get outside where it's cold. How do you know you have patience if you can get into the midst of trouble and still have patience? Patience will only do you good when you're in trouble. When troubles come upon you, when persecutions come upon you, when hard times come your way. You know, you got a football player up there on the, on the front line, whether he's on defense or offense, his idea is, if he's on offense, don't be moved, don't let the people come in. If you're on defense, the idea is to get through. That's, that's what you gotta do. And it doesn't matter how big the guy is who's on the other side, you gotta do your job. We've got to start doing our job as Christians. If we are given a task and we're told, be here, do this, stay. If God gave you something to do, we've got to learn how to do it and stay. And patience is part of that. And so what we were looking at last week, we looked at verses that dealt with this. He said here in Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. The New Century Version put it this way, be joyful because you have hope. Be patient when trouble comes and pray. At all times if we're just living what we see now, we are living very short-sighted. God has taught us much better than that Let's go over here to second Peter 3: nine. now there's a reference in there Hebrews I think Hebrews 10 up there and just stretch that off. I'm not sure how that got carried over from some, uh, some of the notes from part one, but um, we don't need that one. we're going to be in second Peter chapter three in verse nine. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, to repentance. Now there's a couple of things I want you to see in this. First off, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, or concerning His promise as some count slackness. What this is telling you is that some people view God differently than God views God. How many of you can attest, don't raise your hand, use your inside hand. How many of you can attest that sometimes you've had a different view of God than God has of God? (laughs) I think God should move here, and God's apparently not thinking that. I think God should judge here, and apparently God's not thinking that. We have a lot of opinions of what God should do that are different from what God is carrying out. Because I'm thinking this way, but understand this, God's not moved by people's opinions. You're going to have the entire world think this is what he ought to do. And God says, I'm not going (laughs) to. And he's not. He says here, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness. So even though you all think he's he's, uh, slack, he says, I'm not, but I have a different perspective. I've got a different view of what's going on here. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he is long-suffering. That is our word there. One of the two words that we broke down last week. This is our second one. It's translated long-suffering here. It's the Greek word makrothumeo. I think I wrote that for you in your... In your outline, macro thumeo. It means, it's actually a compound word, one that means long and another one that means mine. What it means is to be long-tempered. To patiently endure it is translated uh, sometimes. But long-suffering, he says he is long-suffering toward us. He is patiently enduring us. <laughs> Get that for a minute. God is patiently enduring us. Oh, but I'm so easy to get along with, right? (laughs) God has long-suffering toward us. He has long-suffering toward us when we were sinners, and He still has long-suffering toward us when we're not quite doing what we're supposed to be doing. When we're not following His Spirit the way we, we ought to. Now Thayer, I wrote this for you in your outline. This is how he defines it patient endurance constancy steadfastness perseverance especially as shown in bearing troubles and ills. The New Century version translates 2 Peter 3:9 this way. The Lord is not slow in doing what he promised the way some people understand slowness. But God is being patient with you. He does not want anyone to be lost. But he wants all people to change their hearts and lives. God is, has his sights set on a certain aspect, on a certain thing. He wants as many people to come into the kingdom as he can. And because his sights are set on that, he will put up with some stuff in this world that we think he ought not. Why are you continuing to endure these sinners? because I'm not ready for them to go to hell yet. I want them to go to heaven. I want them to come. And so he long suffers. He patiently endures. This is one of the reasons. There's there's other reasons too, but here in this this one, he's given us these reasons. There are people on this earth that we look at and say, God, judge them. God, wipe them out. God, take care of them. And God says, no, I'm not ready yet. And every time that I operate, I allow my mind to go that way I walk in that direction, I think that way. Every time I do that, I am fostering an attitude contrary to God. Think on that for just a little bit. Whenever you are not long suffering with the people that are around you, you're very likely are fostering an attitude apart from God. That can even be true of your spouse, your kids, they're in laws. The New Living Translation puts it this way. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Now, there's a limit. There's a place where will, He will just, uh, we need to do this. But He is long-suffering, waiting for some people to finally repent. Now, there is suffering that we go through when we want to do something for somebody, but we can't. We're prevented. How many of y'all know this? How many of you ever ever uh, did this when you are growing up? Now, I know you all can't imagine this uh, about me at all, but try and use your imagination and imagine that when I was little, I was rambunctious, disobedient, and constantly put my parents patients to trial. Constantly. It was a daily thing. And I had more energy than probably all three of the other kids. Most of the time I was growing up, there's only two, but um, they they didn't hold a candle, the amount of energy I had. And I could get into more trouble in one day than most people could fathom in a week. And so we'd get around Christmas time, Uh, my parents, they would try every kind of way to try and get me to not misbehave. And so they decided that one of the things they would do is they would withhold Christmas presents. And so they would take some of the Christmas presents and they would put them in a certain spot so that I would not get certain... All the other kids are getting Christmas presents. One by one, mine disappeared. Mine wouldn't go away. That <laughs> hopefully this would motivate me <laughs> to, to be more... More, uh, obedient and to, uh, to do things like I'm supposed to. Now, I know y'all can't imagine that going on. <laughs> it was, it was going on. And so, um, years later, mom would share with me, she would say, You know how hard that was for us? We got these Christmas presents and we wanted to give them to you and then we couldn't do it because you were disobedient and we were trying to find some way to motivate you. It didn't motivate me at all. You know, it's just like, Well, I don't, I don't get it. That's all right. <laughs> and it probably did more harm to them. But this is what I want you to to understand. When God cannot put something upon us, when he cannot give us something that he desires to give, it affects him. There's a suffering that he will go on. Oh, my children, I long to give these things to you, but I can't. You're not in the position... You're not where you need to be to be able to receive these things. So there's a suffering that we can go through for that too. When we want to do something good for someone, but we're prevented. Can't do it. The kids were disobedient. Oh, we wanted to go to this place and do this thing, but they were disobedient. We can't do it. God waiting for us to move is not the same as slackness on God's part in moving. Sometimes we're just not putting ourselves in a position to receive, and we think God is just withholding stuff. No, get yourself in a position. Get yourself ready. How many have ever seen people? How many? of us do it this way. How many people have ever taken part in a game of catch with a baseball or a softball? Something that could actually hurt you if you uh, <laughs> if you miss it. A baseball or a softball, either one. And when you are out there and you're throwing the baseball and the softball and you're having a catch with it, or maybe you know, sometimes I'm running by the park and I see a dad, he's out there in the pitcher mound, and the, the son, he's over there with the bat, and they're, they're uh, doing that, or sometimes they're crouched down into the catcher position so they can work on, the, on catching or on pitching. But if you're getting ready to throw the ball, and you're getting ready to throw, what is it that you are looking for before you release the ball? You've got to wait for the person on the other end to get ready. They're they're a catcher. They're going to be down in the catching position. They're going to have that thing ready. Because if you throw, you're a pitcher and you throw a hundred mile an hour fastball to a guy who's not ready, he can't turn around and get ready. There's not enough time. That ball is going fast. Those pitchers, they can throw some some stuff. And uh, you know, you got to be set up. You got to be ready. And that ball's moving. Those pitchers, I mean, they can make that ball move. And sometimes you watch, anybody watch the slow motion of some of those? I mean, they're coming in and they're diving or there's, oh, they just they have some movement on it. And as the catcher, you got to get your eye on that movement and move your glove with it because if it, if you don't, that ball's hitting you. And I've seen some catchers go down. Even though they got equipment on, they can still sometimes find a spot. If you're, if you're going to hit the ball, you got to be ready. You to be watching because you don't want that ball to hit you. If you're just playing catch, well you got to get ready to catch the ball or it's still going to hit you and it's going to hurt. So if you're getting ready to throw the ball and you're 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 wound up ready, you're looking for something on the other end. You're looking for somebody to get into position to receive the ball. To have a a, a mitt, to have a be in a position to catch that ball, and if you can think back to when you first began to learn how to catch a hard ball or a softball, it was somewhat of a scary prospect because you knew if you missed it, it would hurt you. It's not some little wiffle ball over there. This thing's going to hurt you, and so you're you're concentrating on it and you're thinking that thing in and you. But then after a while, you get used to it, and pretty soon, I mean, we're just getting kind of free with this thing. Go ahead, throw it. You know. <laughs> Whip that thing on up there because we, we got real good with this now, and we can just uh, we can we can catch that in. If if you're not in a catching position, where that thing's coming at you at 100 miles an hour, you have a little bit more time to to get ready for this thing. But you got to be in a position to receive. God's looking, He's waiting. Come on, come on, get in a position. I need you to be in a faith position to receive. I need you to be in a hope position to receive. I need your expectation up. I need you ready to receive this thing. I'm ready to send it. I'm ready to give it. But you are not in a position to receive it. And I'm saying, come on, throw the ball. Throw the ball. Come on, God. Throw the ball. Why are you taking so long? Throw the ball. I'm ready. And God says, you're not ready. You are not ready for this to come in. Because I'm throwing you a hard slider. And I need you to be ready to catch it. But we don't get ready. And we think God is being slow. No, God's not being slow. He's being merciful. If he just sent that ball on in, it could do some damage to you. He needs you to be on, be getting ready. He needs you to make some moves. Be in a position. 1 Corinthians thirteen four. Love suffers long and is kind. We all know that verse. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Love suffers long. Some place to put it, love is patient. Love suffers long and is kind. That word there, suffers long, that's our word. Macrothumeo. Love suffers long and is kind. It doesn't have to pretend to be kind. It doesn't act kind. It is kind. That's what it is. A lot of times we're suffering long and then we try and put on a kind face. We try to say kind words, but inside we're a storm raging. We're not going about it right. That's why we're having such a hard time. We're not walking in the patience that we're supposed to. The New Century Version puts this passage this way. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, does not brag, and is not proud. Love is not rude, is not selfish, and does not get upset with others. Love does not count up wrongs that have been done. Now, Romans chapter 9, verse 22 it reads this way, What if God, wanting to show His wrath to make His power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Now, God wants to show up strong for His people. What if God, wanting to show His wrath and to make His power known, He wants to do this, but He's enduring much long-suffering with vessels of wrath prepared for He's enduring it. Because there's another another end. We've got to try and win some of these in. have got to bring some of these folks in. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. You've got to put these things on. These are these are things that are out there. They're, it's available for you, but you've got to put it on. You've got to put this long-suffering, this kind of patience, you've got to put it on. We talked about before the difference between wearing something and carrying something. You're supposed to put this on as if you're wearing it. Second Timothy four, 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. With all long-suffering and teaching. Now get this. This is not just written to teachers. Every single one of you have had to go out there and teach somebody something. Sometimes you're teaching principles from the word. Sometimes you're teaching things that God has done for you. You're teaching something. There is a long suffering that will go into this. If you are long suffering in that you grit your teeth and say, ah, you need to get this. You need to get this. One of my favorite scenes in one of the Christmas movies, how many um, know the Santa Claus movie? Probably my favorite Christmas movie right there, Santa Claus movie. And uh, my, my favorite scene in the entire movie Every time it gets there, shh, shh, this is, this is the part, this is the part, can't wait for this part, oh, I love this line. And it's after he gets back from his first trip as a Santa Claus, and he's uh, arrived at the North Pole, and he's in the castle, and um, the big elf, elf is given on the tour, I love him as an actor, I loved him in the, in the show that he was in, I can't think of his name, but uh, he's given him the tour, and he's trying to explain to him the Santa Claus. That on the card that he read, that on it was a clause, and he's trying to explain it to him. Everybody remember the scene? He's trying to explain it to him. He's trying to. He's very patiently telling him the things that have gone on, the things that he has done, and then he's still not getting it. And so um, I forget the name of the elf. It's a, it's a cool name. I can't I can't remember his name, but um, he finally he gets he raises his voice and he says. Try to understand this. And the entire North Pole goes quiet. And they all go, Ooh. (laughs) And then he once again gets into his nice calm voice and he begins to explain the Santa Claus again. Anybody remember that scene? That's what it is. He lost his patience right there. That's not patient teaching. That's losing your patience. That's how a lot of us are. We're trying to put on the front we're trying to put on a face. We're trying to act like everything is cool. But inside, I'm getting frustrated with you because you're not getting this, because you're not seeing it my way. And, uh, and there has to be a patience that you have. There has to be uh, a way that you go on. Don't get uptight. Don't get angry. A lot of times we, we get this way. One of the things that uh, my wife and I, we have lots of discussions on, on things in a, uh, the prayer class. Um... You know, if we talk about some of the things that are going on, I know one of the hot topics in the prayer class, and she's always getting ready. I've got to get ready for this because I know these things are coming up and people have questions and I just want to have the right answers for them. And so she's out there and she's studying and we're discussing things. And it's, uh, it's about, you know, people like to, uh, in prayer, have, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. But people like to, in prayer, plead the blood. If you've been around here for any kind of time, you know my stance on that. I don't I don't try and cover it up. I don't try and hide it. My stance is real clear on it. I think it's hogwash. That's my thought. If you want to believe something different, that's fine. You go right on ahead. But I'm going to follow what's in the Word of God. And if I don't see it in the Word of God, uh, how many have listened to Brother Hagin's teaching that I put up on? How many people have never heard Brother Hagin and didn't get to the one I put up? All right. Um, you can go back there and see it if you want. This is the guy I cut my teeth under in all this stuff. This is the guy who had a vision with God. And God said something to him that was new to him. And he told God, he told Jesus, he told Jesus in the vision. You're going to have to show me that in the word. And he says, I want three witnesses. And Jesus said to him, he says, I'll do you one better. I'll do you four. And he gave him four witnesses in the word. And in fact, he said, Brother Higgins, I never even thought of this concept but Jesus gave him four different witnesses. I think he gave him like a Matthew and a Mark and a Paul and a Peter or something like that. He gave him four different witnesses, and he, he thought, "Well, I never, never. I've always just thought of it as three different scriptures." But he actually did four different people. If it's not in the word, I'm not going to do it. If I don't see something in the word doing it, I'm not going to do it. That's that's just that's something I was I've uh, I've learned about. I'm not going after that. But as we were discussing it, and we were we were talking about the, the last Sunday. This came to me, and I hadn't really seen this before. But when Jesus left earth, when he was resurrected in his new body, remember Mary couldn't touch him because he had to go to heaven? You remember what he had to do in heaven? He had to take the blood, put it on the altar. So he goes up to heaven, he takes the blood, and he puts it on the altar. When he comes back, what does he show Thomas? Remember? My hands, my feet in my side you see the holes that will tell you this about jesus jesus when he in his resurrected body is missing something it's missing blood jesus had no blood where did his blood go it went to heaven on the altar why didn't he bring it back because you don't need it You see, the blood on the altar was offered one time as the high priest. You cannot, as a priest, offer the blood on the altar of the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb. You, as a priest, cannot make that sacrifice. Only one person could do it. Who was that? Jesus, the high priest. What does Hebrew say? He is the great high priest. He is the last high priest. He, as the high priest, took his blood, put it on the altar in heaven, not on earth. And made atonement for you. Where's that blood? It's in heaven. He came back down here to earth. What did He bring back down here to earth? His name. Up till now you've asked nothing in my name. You see folks, there's a whole lot of tactics out there to get us to not use the name of Jesus. All we need is the name of Jesus. Now, don't think that God is so technical that if you were out there and you're pleading the blood and you're doing because somebody taught you to do it, that that just negated all your prayers. Let me tell you what, God tries to find a way to answer your prayers (laughs) no matter how much technical stuff we get wrong. And I I heard there's some discussion, too, about, uh, you know, we're not supposed to pray to Jesus. Don't raise your hand just, you know, inside. How many people have ever prayed to Jesus? But just the Word of God says very clearly pray to the Father, doesn't it? That doesn't mean that all the prayers you prayed to Jesus didn't get heard. I'm pretty sure he passed them on for you. (laughs) He is not looking for technical reasons to not fulfill your prayers. He's looking for any way that he can. But he wants us to learn what's the Word of God say. What he wants you to see is you have a direct avenue to the Father through him. Go right to the Father. You can go right to the Father. Get excited about that. Don't get lost in technicality and prayer. Just learn what the Word of God says and pursue it. So anyway, when you get into discussion, if you want to have a different viewpoint, then that's perfectly fine. Just, build, just support it in Scripture. Make sure that you do what Scripture says. If you're not doing what Scripture says and you're doing something else, more than likely you've substituted something that, that, uh, that we're not told to do. I'd rather not do that. That's just me. But I'm not going to get upset with you. I'm not going to lose patience with you. If you want to come up and say, well, I believe, well, that's fine. And it, it's not an act. It's not a show. It's not a thing, well, i got to suppress anything. No, I've got to suppress nothing. You, you want to believe that? That's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> Glory to God. We'll have great fellowship together too. It, it, it won't affect you. But see, he's teaching them this there. Preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Some people are doing the convincing, rebuking, and exhorting, but they lost the long-suffering. Don't lose that. God is long-suffering with us. We've got to be long-suffering with other people. Despite what I go through, despite what I feel I deserve, I stay and endure because of my love for him who sent me and the calling he gave to me. Don't worry about don't Don't be looking at what you're going through. Oh, God, I've been going through so much. No one here probably has ever started a prayer like that. But you probably have heard of other Christians who have started prayers. Oh, God, I'm going through so much right now. Oh, life is just so hard. Oh, God, I just need an answer. I just need some help. I just need something to work. Oh, God. Now, see, you, you you faltered on the steadfastness and the patient part. You faltered on it. Now get back out there and get built up. Just, just keep it. God doesn't say, oh, you're worthless, you're no good. No. You just get back up there and you do it again. And you keep going. Because you can build up your endurance. You can build up your, your patience. When people come into your life that are difficult, don't get upset. Glory to God. I'm going to be working out some stuff here. <laughs> but you see, you want to work this out so that that patience continues. It's not, it's not suppressed feelings. To some people, patience is suppressed feelings. It's taking all that anger, all that turmoil, and just bottling it up. No, that's your flesh trying to replicate what your spirit will do. Just get turned on, let God, this part of God work out of you. You'll be surprised at the patience that comes out you'll be surprised at what you can endure. That you didn't even know you could endure. You can do it. The temptation is to become selfish and do what makes me feel good, safe, or comfortable. Or, just because I want to do it. Some people do things for God just because they want to. God didn't ask them. But I just want to do this. He may not even want you to do it but you want to do it. Hebrews 6, chapter, uh, verse 10. Chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown to His name, toward his name. He's not going to forget. It. He's remembering. He's seen the things that you've done. in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. So just as God has shown it here, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now I was going to try and get this little video up for Daryl and I totally lost sight of it, but I saw this video that came up of a guy who was climbing a waterfall. Anybody in this room moved to climb, a, this is a frozen waterfall, a frozen waterfall. Anybody want to climb a frozen waterfall? I've never been moved to climb a frozen waterfall, but I know some people who like rock climbing and things like that, they're, they're going to do it. So this video, here's this guy, I don't know how he set up, but he had set up a camera and it was videotaping him. And he was climbing up this frozen waterfall. And as he got to the top, just as it was peeking over, and then going to uh, uh, less of a of a fall, this is where the, all the rapid water was, but this huge block of ice from the water that had to come over, you know, it just freezes slowly. As he was coming up over there, this avalanche of snow and ice came down where the water was and followed that right on down, and it was hitting him. It hit him so much, you lost sight of him. And you could see him out there. He had a pick, one of the picks, and he was swinging it. He's trying to get it to plant it in, inside the the ice so that he could just hang on. And you could see in one of the parts of the shot, it went down a long ways. If he let go, he would not have survived. It was over. And he hung on. Now, in your mind, how long should he hang on for Anything less than hanging on to the end will be insufficient. If he hang on for three quarters of the time that snow and ice was falling, that would be insufficient. He would have put up with a whole lot of stuff, but he still would have crashed down to to the bottom and died. But he held held on and was able to tell about it and he said while all the stuff was coming down upon him and he's hanging on he said it was so hard because of the cold because of the stuff that was hitting him to keep his hands on the tools. But he managed to do so and he lived to tell about it. There are sometimes an avalanche of things that come against you. God didn't send them. But the enemy sends them to try and get you to let go. But just keep on hanging on. Because God has put steadfastness and patience in you and you cannot last it. You can take it on. And you can be better than it was. If you're a lineman and you're playing a football game, how long do you need to last? Until the whistle blows at the end of the fourth quarter. You have to keep going. It doesn't do any good to to falter before you must endure to the end. this is what he's telling you here. He says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope. Show the same diligence. In other words, don't slack off. You were diligent in the beginning. stay with that diligence, full assurance of hope until the end. When is the end? I was thinking about that, that video. Think about it often. He cannot know when the end is because in his position he can't see what the camera could see how much more is coming you can't always see when the end is gonna be but you see you just have to decide I'm staying I'm not giving up on the principles that God has given me I'm not letting them go devil I don't care what you throw at me I'm not letting them go I'm staying with it I'm going on that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises that you do not become sluggish. Persecution, trials, people letting you down, all this stuff comes into play to try and get you to just kind of back off a little bit. If you're playing with a teammate on a football line and the guy's next to you, he's not doing as much, they can make you become sluggish. Well, he's not working hard. Why should I? You got a, other born-again believers? Well, they've given up. Why should I keep going? Why is it that they got their answer? I didn't get mine. And we can start to back off and we get sluggish. Don't get sluggish. You stay with it. You keep going. And you become that you not become sluggish, but imitate those who faith, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply, I will multiply you. Or in multiplying, I will multiply you. That's the promise. That's what he said. Now Abraham's going through all this stuff. No multiplying's happening. We're not even doing addition. He probably got to a point, I'm happy with addition. Have a one plus one. That's more than I got right now. But God's still talking about multiplying. God, I got zero. You multiply anything by zero, it's zero. I need some addition here first. God's always, God's always looking at multiplying. Don't get sluggish on me, Abraham. Stay with it. Keep going. Verse 15. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. What he, what did he patiently endure? What did Abraham patiently endure? How many remember the story of Abraham? How many saw patience there? God comes to him and shows up again. Hi Abraham, how are you doing? You blessed one? What do you mean blessed? I don't have nothing. I don't got any air. Person who's going to inherit my inheritance is not even a member of my household, or not even a member, a part of my family. What is this? So God has to deal with that. What about patience when He says this promise hasn't gone on? Sarah says, "Well, have it if we use Hagar." Does that seem like patience to you? It doesn't. But that's that's what the word says here. After he had patiently endured, he had the same kind of question that you had. God's not answering. I'm believing. God's not answering. It won't really happen. I don't deserve this. I should have had this a long time ago. Look at all these people that are around here. I'm the most God-fearing person in the world. And they all have kids. I got none. How is that right? I don't deserve this. He can get a a little tired in that patient area. But let me settle for something less. <laughs> That's where, where Hagar came in. Now see, this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about before we, we go and when we pray. When you come to God and you ask God for something, you better know what you're asking for. You can ask God on anything. As long as you're believing it, you'll receive it. There's a lot of people who shoot for the shoot for the sky but don't even have a tree-height faith. It's not going to do you any good. You've got to find out what it is that you believe for. Sometimes people ask for things, but they're not ready to wait out, be patient, be steadfast, and receive the answer. Sometimes we'll come to God for uh, an issue, a healing issue. And we just say, well, I just believe God will heal me. All right. We can, we can believe that. I mean, God certainly can. He has shown it in His Word. I just believe God will heal me. And then the next day, we plan on going to the doctor. Now, it's not bad to go to the doctor. I'm not telling you don't go to the doctor. Don't believe in a doctor. Nothing like that at all. What I'm telling you is, if you're going to come to God and ask for something, ask for something that you are ready to wait steadfastly and patiently for and not be moved. Don't ask for something that you're going to get moved off of. Know ahead of time, I'm ready for this. I can do it. If you're going to ask God, God, I just believe that you're going to heal me. Then don't get moved off of it. Stay with it. But if you come there, and you God, I, I know that you can just heal me, but I'm not sure that I'm ready to receive that. I'm not sure that I'm ready to, to walk in that but I can believe for this. And you believe for, for what it is. I've told you some of the things that I've, I've gone through. When, when I had a hernia, I actually walked into the doctor's thing. I have a hernia. How do you know? I just know. Well, let me test it out. Yep, that's what you got. <laughs> and so he said, well, we're, we're we'll go we'll, and uh, we'll do this procedure and it'll be fine. I said, yep, just do that procedure. It'll be fine. And they did. And I was. But I didn't vacillate. I didn't go to God and say, Well, God, I want you to heal me and all the time getting ready for surgery. I didn't I didn't do that. I decided right away. This is what we're doing. Came in my spirit, this is what we're doing. And I just believed for God for a smooth out. I mean it's not a big procedure, you don't really think all that much about it. I had that too when I had the appendix. I didn't lay there on the couch. God says you you have a you have to get your appendix out. Told me that when I was laying there on the couch from the pain. I just I was, just thought I had a little, little thing going on. I was going to get back up and go out and, and do another bed delivery. And uh, it just wasn't going away. God, what's going on? you got an appendix problem. You need to go take it out. One time to the hospital, told them I have an appendix. They need to be taken out. They didn't believe me. I told you this story before. They didn't believe me. And then they, We had to do our test. I said, that's fine. Do your test. And so they did all their tests, and they came back after a couple of hours and said, yep, your appendix needs to come out. I said, I told you that. I didn't go off saying, well, I'm just going to believe God. That's not what came up in my spirit. What came up in my spirit is, go over to the hospital, get them to take it out. Now, see, he knows. Maybe he says, well, you're just not in a place where you're going to receive that, or whatever it might be. I don't argue with him. When it comes up in my spirit, I go out and I do it. There are other times that God says, this is going on, but just stand on this. I just stand on that, and it goes. There are other times he says, just do this. I do that, and it goes. But don't vacillate. Don't be moved. Understand what you're going to do. What are you standing and believing God for? Whatever it is, I know God can do all things, but he can only do for you what you will believe for, what you have the steadfastness to stay with, and what you have the patience to endure. That's all he can do. He can do him greater, but in you, that's all he can do. So, you search yourself out? I just listen to God. God knows me better. Then I know myself. God, what should I do on this? And God says, well, go out there and do this. I'll just go out there and do that then. And I just go out there and and I do it. It Does not always steer me over to a doctor to get something fixed up. Sometimes he just says, just do this and believe. And I do that and believe and it's it's going fine too. But don't get moved. This is the tough part with some people is, well, I'm going to believe God for healing on this and then they're always well, maybe I should go to the doctor. Well, maybe I should just get a second opinion on this or, or just get this checked out. Or maybe I... No, don't be doing that. Find out what is it you're supposed to be doing. It's fine to go to the doctor. It's not meaning that you're no good of a Christian if you go to the doctor. It's okay. But just know if you're going to the doctor, what do you believe in for that doctor to do? And then just don't be moved off of it. Because stuff is going to come it's going to try and get you to move you got to get to that that place where you are ready come on devil come on devil come on now I have shared with you my weather stories I love being outside in the weather and uh, how many all know Friday morning we had some weather I saw on Monday the weather was coming I got excited I mean I can't tell you how excited I got on the inside I got excited. Friday morning I'm going to get some rain and some 32 degrees. I don't know about, if you know much about this, but I, most runners would prefer to run in 15-degree weather and snow than 32 degrees in rain. And if you've never been out in it, that's why. You don't know. The worst weather in the world to run in is 32 degrees in rain. The next worst is 32 degrees, rain, and high winds. What's the worst? Because you see, the, the water is still wet, so it gets on you and gets in you, and it's cold. It's so much better if it was 15 degrees and it rains. It's snow; it falls off you. Most of it will just fall right off you. It's no big deal. But I was looking forward to this. It used to be that those those uh, weather, they would challenge me. I remember we were, we had this uh, group. We have this group run, and we had a, a 32 degree night, and it rained. And we went from 40 or 50 people come out to the group run to three. Three. Two of the other people were girls. <laughs> girls can be tough. Two of the other people were girls. I wanted to go home and I wanted to next, come out the next week and shame all those guys. <laughs> shame them. I didn't do it. And it's just three people who showed up on that. It's nasty stuff to, to run. I was excited. I got up Friday morning. Excited. In fact, I got up a little bit earlier because I saw that the rain might end by seven. I want to make sure I got as much of it in as I could. So I got in, and I get, I'm getting ready. And I'm looking at the map. I'm looking at the map. It's gone. My heart sank. I was so disappointed. It's gone. There's no rain. I'd have to wait till like eight, nine o'clock for the rain to come back. I was so disappointed. Well, I'm ready to run now. I might as well just go on out. So I went out there and there was a misty rain. That's at least something. Glory to God. 30 minutes into the run, the rain came down. <laughs> and it poured. Now see, the reason I look forward to these things is because it tests me. and It, it gets me ready. This is how you got to look at stuff. When things come at you in the natural, you got to look at this like, it's getting me ready. It's getting me ready. I can use all these little trials and tests to come to get me ready. Because you don't want to just endure trials and tribulations. You want to, this ought to be in the Bible somewhere. You ought to count it as all joy when you encounter various trials and tribulations. Shouldn't that be in the Bible somewhere? It just seems like that ought to be in the Bible. That would be a good verse to have in the Bible. It's all gone if it isn't. James wrote about that, didn't he? Count it all joy. That's what he means. Most Christians, the reasons we don't have the patience and the endurance is because we see it as a chore. When this stuff comes against me, oh, I got to go through this. Oh, I got to endure this. No, you get up there, you say, come on. You, just, you try and make me stop. Try Try and make me stop. Is that all you got, devil? Is that all you got, people, that are out there trying to discourage you? No. It says, Abraham patiently endured. Take this, take this little bit for you. If you have failed God in the area of patience, how many, you can raise your, your hand, how many believe you have failed God in the area of patience? In your life, in your Christian life, you have failed God in the area of patience. How many have failed God to the level that Abraham failed God? How many have any Ishmaels running around? <laughs> if you have not failed God on the level that Abraham has, what did God say about Abraham? He patiently endured. If God's view of Abraham is that after 25 years, 25 years to get him to receive the promise, 25 years God worked on him to get him to receive the promise, 25 years God endured with him to get in a position to receive the promise. Twenty five years God waited. And when he finally got himself to the place to receive the promise and he get it, he gets it. God writes about him. See that Abraham? <laughs> he patiently endured. If God has that view of Abraham, what kind of view has he got of you? Stop giving in to the devil telling you all sorts of stuff about yourself, that you're no good, that God doesn't care about you. That is wrong can get these thoughts, I'm not doing something right. Look at so-and-so over here, they got what they needed, I'm not getting what I'm not doing something right. Did I really hear from God? God works for everybody but me. See, a lack of answers can cause us to question God's love, His care, or His fairness toward us. How many have ever said something like this, God, if you would only answer my prayer, I know it would grow my faith. trying to bribe God. Come on, God. Do this for me. It'll help me. Satan, he sows the doubts. We quickly pick them up. James 5.10 My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Well, they had to speak the word that God gave them. Didn't they? God gave them a word. They had to get out there and speak it. How many prophets in the Old Testament were the people enjoyed? about what they had to share. Not a whole lot, was it? They had to continue to speak the word that God gave them despite what they heard, despite what they felt, and despite what they did or didn't see. They had to keep going. They had to continue to believe what God said without encouragement. They had to continue to believe it. There's nobody around there telling them, now look, stay with what God is saying to you. Stay with it. I know the people are giving you a hard time, but stay with it. They didn't get a whole lot of people around there like that. In fact, I don't really find anybody in the Word of God who's written like that. But they had to continue to believe without encouragement. They had to continue on. Despite what came against them from people and the spirits of darkness. Now I put this, I think I put this in your outline here for you. The more mature you are, the less need you. The less you need to see, feel, or hear encouragement from others. I'm not saying it doesn't bless you when you hear it. I'm saying the more mature you are, the less you need to hear it. Oh God, I just need somebody to tell me I'm doing okay. Just just send somebody along to tell me I'm doing all right. No. You see, the more mature you are, I don't care if the world sells me I'm doing it wrong. God told me this is how I'm to do it. God told me this is the stand I'm supposed to make. God told me this is the direction I'm going to go. I'm not giving up. That's the mature person. Remember remember Elijah? Elijah had all kinds of people come against him. As far as he knew, he was the only one. I Nobody was around to give him encouragement. And there was a time he slipped up. And he ran off. But he came back and he stayed with it now I put this in your outline make sure you get these ones in immature people work harder yet don't get as much done immature people work harder but don't get as much done you get some of those those are uh, more mature people been around the block a few times they can get stuff done in a short bit of time then Young whippersnappers, I mean, they're going at it. They're they're wasting all kinds of energy. The more mature you are in the things of God, the more you'll get done. But you won't have to work as hard. Just because you're not working hard doesn't mean you're not getting things done. That's a works mentality. Get rid of that. Ephesians 4 2. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. This is another aspect of patience, not just enduring. But we need to be bearing with each other. There's our word there for long-suffering. But I need to be bearing with one another. If you have no patience for the people that are around you, you have not let this word have its full effect in you. The New Living Translation says this, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Do you make allowance for the faults of other people? Do you demand perfection out of the people that are around you? Do you demand perfection out of your spouse? And see so you put up with your own faults because you know why you have them. But sometimes we lose patience in the faults of others. That's not letting this word have its work in you. This word patience. It's not having it. You're not having that long endurance. Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore... As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long suffering. Put it on. It doesn't come with the package. You gotta put it on. You you, you gotta do this. I've, I've told you I told you one story. You know, me and the and the weather and running. I may remember, mean, remember I told you that the whole reason I started with all that was in nineteen seventy nine, the winter of nineteen seventy nine to during that year at college, I made a bet with another cross-country runner. Anybody remember that story I told you? <laughs> made a bet with a cross-country runner. The only reason I did it, he and I, we made a bet. We're trying to make wintertime running fun. So we made a bet. First person to put on sweatpants loses. And neither one of us lost. What was really interesting was I, I couldn't remember who I did it with. I could not remember who it was. It's the same guy I went through the house with. Remember the uh, the burned-out house? <laughs> same guy I went through the burned-out house with is the same guy we made this bet with. Don't you know, he he uh, found me on one of the King's College sites, and he said, Yo! <laughs> and so we're, we're going to try and get in touch with each other. I still have to ask him a question. Did you lose the bet? I don't know if he lost the bet yet. I'll find out. Let you know. But see, we, we encourage each other and and those kind of things you got to put these things on it does not come with the package there are other people who run there are other people who do things and they don't do it exactly the same you got to put these things on if you're going to be a christian with patience you got to go get the patience and you got to put it on and then you got to you got to work in it a little bit you got to test it out you got to go through some trials and let that patience have its work You've got to go through some trials. Let the steadfastness have its work. But you've got to put it on. Until you put it on, it's not going to have its work. i got to put it on. And then I've got to keep it on. Don't be throwing it out. Well, this person has pushed me by beyond my limit. It's not your limit. It's God's. This is the patience of God. What limit does He have? Stop living by your limits. Live by the One who gave it to you. Put on... Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Put these things on. The New Living Translation says you must clothe yourself. For some Christians, putting on long-suffering isn't common enough to feel normal. It's not common enough to feel normal. If if you've seen me around about, how many of you all know I am not a hat-wearer? It's not that I don't like hats. It's just if I wear them, if I put the hat on, I have what's called hat head because of the way my hair is. If I put the hat on, it mashes it all down and it looks like I was wearing a hat. But now I'm not. And so I generally don't won't wear the hat. But some years ago, I started to wear the hat to, for the run. And I'd put, and I got a running hat and it's just, it's just you know, it's a phenomenal running hat. And I, I put that hat on and if it's raining, it keeps the rain out of your face. If it's sunny, it keeps the, the sun from hitting your, on your eyes. In the wintertime, when it's real cold, you can't wear sunglasses because your breath freezes up on the, on the sunglasses, and then they're foggy, and you can't see. So you can't wear sunglasses when it's real, real cold outside, so you've got to have the, the hat. And I got so used to putting it on, it didn't matter hot, cold, sunny. It didn't matter. I had that hat. I felt funny going out and running without the hat on how to put the hat on but it didn't start off that way I'm not a hat wearer but when I go out and run if I don't have that hat on wait a minute I'm missing something what am I missing oh hat yeah and I go out there and get it you see the more you put something on the more accustomed you are to it they get you can get used to it you got to put on long-suffering so that if it ever comes off wait a minute where'd it go sometimes I'm out running and the, uh, the wind blows the hat right off. You gotta go get it. But as soon as it goes off, oh wait, it's, it's gone. Sometimes the situations that we're in, it blows our patience off. It blows our steadfastness off. Go back there and get it. Pick it back up again. Don't go out this fighting it on your own. For some Christians, putting on long suffering. It's not common enough to feel normal. When I put it on, I don't feel normal. It feels weird. This feels odd. In Proverbs 14, 29, he who is slow, we went over this last week, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. The more understanding you walk in, the easier it is for you to walk in this kind of patience. The reason we don't walk in the patience that God wants us to walk in is because we don't have the understanding. We spent more time on that last week. But grow your understanding. As you understand, just like in that movie, wax on, wax off. When he finally understood why wax on, wax off was was the concept, then he didn't mind doing it. Understand. It's easier for you to, to stay with it. The New Living Translation translates it this way. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Now, steadfastness, as we said, is about not being pushed off. Patience is about me not moving off. When I lose patience, I move myself off of something. Steadfastness, some force is coming against you trying to get you to, go, to move off. But if fleshly Christians can get you fighting your own flesh, can get, you, can get you fighting, you likely haven't normalized the attributes of God in you and have room to mature. You see, if other Christians can come along, and because of their shortcomings, they can get you to be fighting down your flesh. Your flesh is rising up. I want to speak my mind. I want to say some things. I want to get angry. If you're fighting that flesh, you have not normalized the attributes of God yet. you got some work to do. Stop looking at them and saying how much they got to change. No, no, no. I haven't normalized this yet. When I get to normalize this, people can't affect me. Watch Jesus. Just look at Jesus in the Gospels. These people don't affect him. He just keeps on going, doing what he needs to do, because the attributes of God are normalizing him. What kind of Zoe life will you live if the attributes of God don't feel normal to you? If the attributes of God's character are not normal for you, how are you going to live the Zoe or the God kind of life? Now, this one word, patience, it describes a trait that when making a stand on the promises of God will not be moved by tribulations but set themselves to at last the trial. And when walking in the love of God will not be moved by the shortcomings of people or their insensitivities. I wrote that down. I want to make sure I got it all for you. The one word patience describes a trait that when making a stand on the promises of God will not be moved by tribulations but set themselves to outlast the trial and when walking in the love of God will not be moved by the shortcomings of people. There are three areas where patience is needed. Three areas. I didn't have room to put this in your outline. If you want to write it in there, you can. Three areas. And you can abbreviate this by the three letters OPS. OPS. That's a little military term they talk about when they're going on an operation. OPS. First off, Patience is needed when opposition against what God has told us is strong in spiritual and natural battles. There are spiritual battles that go on. There are natural battles. And when that comes against you strong, you're going to need patience to withstand it. When opposition... That's the big the Opposition. When opposition against what God has told you... God has told you some things in His Word. God has told you some things in His Spirit. When opposition against what God has told you is strong in spiritual natural battles, you're going to need patience. Here's the second one. When people that need to come to or grow in God, when people that need to come to or grow in God are around you and you're there to minister to them, you'll need that patience going on. Here's the third area. When situations that don't seem to be going the way we want or the way we expect. How many have ever had situations in your life? This isn't the way I expected us to go. We need patience when opposition, when people, when situations. Opposition, people, and situations. These are the places you're going to find patience working. When opposition is coming against you, when people are coming against you, when situations are coming against you. Situations, they just aren't going right. Patience will carry you through. You need to start working on your patience in the little things you're facing now because down the road, there's some bigger stuff coming. Guarantee you. Down the road, there's some bigger stuff coming. Don't get all scared. If you go through what you need to do now in the little trials and little temptations and little problems you have going on and build that up when the big trial comes, nothing. Man, you'll get excited. Oh, Look at what's coming. Oh, come on, devil. You want to take me on? Let's go. You are no match for the patience of God in me. You are no match for the steadfast character of God in me. Come on. Give me your best shot. But you will not move me. I am staying right here. I'm not going to be moved by things that push me off. And I'm not going to be moved by my own decisions to move off. I am here. I am staying. God has shown me in his word. This is what I'm believing for. And I'm not moving. And see, that's a steadfast, that's a patient person. And that person is going to be a victor. Most Christians, we give in. I'm not ready for a fight. I see, well, God said that I can be healed, so I'll make a stand and say I'm going to be healed. But as soon as I hear a bad report, well, I'm moving off of that. I don't know, I don't know what that's all about. Now, you see, you, you, you hear from God. God, i got this situation going on in my body i got this situation going on in my life. i got this situation going on at work. Whatever the situation is, what shall I do? God begins to tell you. And you stand on that word He told you. And you're ready for the fight. When you've got steadfastness going on inside you, and you've got patience going on inside you, you are a formidable force. And the devil knows he's got a one heck of a battle to try and get you to move off. That's the kind of people that God's raising up. Not these wimpy people that anything moves them. Oh, well, I was going to do that, but, you know, it was just so hard. I didn't think it was going to be that hard. I mean... Nice. am It was just so hard. No. Get ready. Come on. Bring it on. Is that your best shot? Is that the best thing you can do? Come on. You can do better than that. That's. Your mama can do better than that. Throw out some mama jokes. Don't take the devil too seriously. Don't be afraid of him. Because what you got inside of you. He's afraid of. He is scared of. He does not want those things to get solid in you. If you get turned on to the characteristics of steadfastness and the characteristics of patience, he's probably already lost the battle before you get into the rest of them. Those two will carry you through most of the battles that you will face. Just don't be moved. Now, we haven't gone through all the verses of the Scripture, but how many of you can think of other verses of Scripture that talk about, thou shalt not be moved? Yeah. That's what it's talking about. See, if you try and be, not be moved without steadfastness and without patience, you're doing it in your own battle, your own strength. And that's why you're failing. You use the tools that He's given you. And these are two of them. we got more to go into. And you could spend, you know, a month of Sundays on patience. We're just giving you these two in here. Kind of what's your appetite to it. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we are facing some things. Each person here facing something different. But we're facing some stuff. None of it can overcome us or the Word in us. None of us can, none of us will be moved unless we allow it. I thank you for the power that are in those things that you gave us to anchor us down to keep us in place. The devil fears them. Too many Christians are missing the opportunity to have these things grow in them. Oh, but they need to grow. And they are. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you that each person here is set for some victories. The devil knows that those victories can come. He's going to try and move you. But if you stay on the promises of God, victory will be yours. He you cannot move you. You do not allow it to. But what's in you is that strong. Father, we thank you for what is it. Glory and the for. Before we go here this morning, Susan, I'm going to prayer. He has an abscess tooth. So come on up. We're going to pray for for, uh, for Susan. Amen. And what do you do? that we, that we speak, things that we say, I agree with Susan right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak to that infection, infection, you cannot stay in this body, as soon as that has declared her faith, and agreed with the word of God, in the name of Jesus, infection, you must go. I'll tell you what, I, I run into more people that I, I've talked to that, uh, you tell them, don't ask God for things He's already done. I've had more conversations with that over the years. Don't ask God for things He's already done. And I'll, I'll check in with them a couple of weeks later. How's that going for you? Well, we're just praying this happens, but that's already done. If God already did it, don't be asking God for it. It's not going to help you. Know what he said he's already done in his word. You'll notice one thing about Jesus. Jesus never prayed for the sick. You all know that? Jesus never prayed for the sick. Not a single time. Go to your gospel. When you're home tonight, you sit down and read all four of them. Go through them. You will find out Jesus never one time prayed for the sick. He spoke to he spoke to the sickness. Even when Lazarus was dead in the tomb, he said a, a prayer outside. Father God, I thank you that you hear me always. Not once did he address Lazarus in that prayer. And then when he was finished praying, he addressed the tomb. And what did he say? Lazarus, come forth. When he dealt with the fever, what did he say? Father, hear, heal her of this fever? No. He rebuked the fever and it left, the word of God says. When he came to the fig tree, Did he pray over the fig tree? He spoke to the fig tree. When he came to the little girl who needed healing, what did he do? Pray to the Father? Spoke to the situation. Speak to the situation. There, stop praying to God for things He's already done. The Word of God says in the Old Testament, "Let the weak say." I am strong. Let the poor say. It does not say let them pray to God. when it is, that you have a situation, speak to it. Speak to it. There is power in your speech. Speak to it. But stay on that. Don't don't move off that. You stay with it. I said in the name of Jesus. Let's go. And you speak to it. Don't be moved. Steadfast. Next week, we're going to look at a third characteristic of the mature. This is the mature people. These are the ones that God relies on. These are the ones that we can rely on. Have a great week. Bless the people before you go. Great to see you.